Hey everybody, it's Nathaniel Averill reporting from Dallas County and I'm here with Ruby and some other person from Dallas, also Dallas County. And uh, who is our guest here today? Our guest is Steve Garcia. What up? And he is an artist. Um, I put, I said musician, but I'm not sure. Do you play an instrument? Yeah, I play a little bit of guitar, but you'll like never see me do it live because I'm not that good yet. <laughs> I think yeah, I'm, yeah, you're probably better than I am because I still can't even bring it out to practice. So. Oh man, no, Good I luck. Um, keep doing that. Keep I also pursuing play that. Piano, piano by ear a little bit. I would, oh, I would so call, awesome. I would call beat makers musicians. Yeah, are you yeah, a beat absolutely. maker? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I produce, I make beats, I, I write, um, I engineer recording sessions, uh, the whole nine. So. Every little okay. aspect I'm involved in now. Okay, uh, Serenity, can you be like a little bit more closer in? Because you're kind of really cut off. <clears throat> yeah, can you hear me now? Come closer. No, he's talking about Serenity. Oh, okay, okay. Out of the thing. There you are. She doesn't okay. want to be near me. She hates me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, we have Steve Garcia and, um, as our guest. And today's theme is a fun one, I think. It's 80s slasher film. Mm -hmm. Um. But before we go into that, I wanted to give Steve uh, just a little bit of information on him. As like we said just now, you know, he dabbles in a lot of stuff in the music industry. Um, just recently, he put on a show at the Carne Asada. Hey, shout and, out. Yeah, shout out Carne Asada. That is a music and food festival that was um, created and coordinated by my friend Sonia Kilo, our friend yep. and Steph Erickson and Stephanie, uh, Jeanette, and oh, it was Jeanette. such a great turnout. And Steve put on a great show. I mean, he got people up there lit AF on stage, <laughs> <laughs> raging, yeah. and he got people taking tequila shots and all that. Yeah. Yeah, um, so it was right. really fun to see him perform. Um, so and we also uh, just got final cut approval on our on a documentary about the event. Yeah, Nate shot that uh, event while while we were all there working. We right. were working and having fun. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so that you guys will see that pretty soon uh, because that is actually are you putting it in the cir uh, festival circuit first, Nate? Yeah. It's gonna do the festival run first, and then everybody will get to see it once he releases it, once it's done doing the festival run. Um, so stay tuned for that. And then also, Carnesada Part Two is coming up, and uh, we'll be there as well. So very, are you very excited for that? Yeah, I'm. I'm super excited for it. Um, you know, I, I know that. You know, from not to give away details, but I just know that it's gonna be twice as big as time so it's, it's oh yeah to, to yeah. see it all come together and you know as we get closer to the date um you know more promotion content and all that coming on so it's exciting it is very exciting because i've already heard some of the lineup and it is crazy yes, so yes. the names floating around are awesome so it's it's really really exciting yeah and you guys can follow all the updates on ig at carne asada underscore fest Yes. You know, to get all that information. Um, speaking of music festivals, I wanted to, before we get into our 80s slasher films that we all picked, I wanted to go over some things um, about what recently happened at the Travis Scott 
concert, yeah. Astro World event. Um, mm-hmm. It's very sad, you know, because like eight people died. What yeah, you, I heard. You know, how crazy is that that you go to a concert, you know, you're so excited and you're so happy, and then you end up dying. Like, that's over Travis Scott. Over Travis Scott. It's and that. very sad, man. I mean, like, I, I was uh, reading other, you know, articles about previous shows and festivals where, I mean, same sort of situation where people have gotten hurt over going to see Travis Scott because, you know, his music's like, it's turn up. Like, you're there to, like, oh, party. Fan base, you know what I mean? fan base is, like, really crazy. And fan base is really young. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so speaking of which, like, the people that died, they were as young as 14 years old, and the oldest was, like, around 27. So, yeah, um, a lot of young people. Yeah, 25 people were transported to the hospital. Um, 13 of them remained hospitalized, and five of them were under 18 years old. Um, there was about 50,000 people in attendance. Um, they said that once Scott came on stage, people ran to the front, compressing everybody together, and there was little air available. Um, so people began to fall out, becoming unconscious, and, you know, in some cases, they were trampled. Yeah. Yeah, so um, they were saying that hours before that, at least one person was injured when people rushed through a VIP entrance to the event. And then two years prior, at this same Astro World Fest, there were three people who were trampled and injured. So, wow. I mean, this seems to be a reoccurring thing at yeah. Astro World, and I'm not sure why they didn't, you know, like knowing this has happened before, I'm not sure why they didn't take the, um, the proper precautions, safety precautions. Right, yeah, you would think that that would be a a given right like right a main concern I, I was seeing things like people were telling like the cameramen like hey there's somebody yeah. with dirt down there like they need help apparently people were telling security like someone over here can't breathe or you know whatever and they just completely like ignored them yeah they were but telling like, them to stop the concert mm-hmm. and they wouldn't and they were even trying to get travis scott's attention well at one point so I, to be fair to him i did see a, um a video that Came out and he actually stopped and was like, "Hey, someone over here needs medical attention." And oh, he did? Yeah, yeah. I just saw it. I was sitting over here on the couch a while ago with my girlfriend, and we, we were looking at at this video. And yeah, he stopped and he was like, "Hey, someone over here needs medical attention." Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I mean, I don't. I guess he started going again after that. But yeah, well, I was gonna say, did he just continue on or well, what? I think he did after that. But I mean, who knows? Really, yeah, I mean, my brother was there. My brother was there. He flew down from Sacramento, mm-hmm. California, all the way down to Houston for the two-day festival, and then just for that to happen the first night, and then the second night got canceled. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad he's okay. Yeah, no, he was, he was, he was in the way back. Like he wasn't in the front. Yeah, and the, the, the crazy. Yeah, that's good. We were like sad about not even getting to go because mm-hmm. I wanted to go. Yeah, see I wanted to go too. I wanted to go see Bad Bunny. He, he had invited me, and I was like, you know what, bro? I was like, I just something about it. I don't feel right about it. I, and that's that intuition, yeah. crazy. So, for real. I was like, you know, thank God, because my knowing me, like I would have wanted to try to get to the front. Like that's mm-hmm. that's just the way I like to be at concerts. Like I like to be at the front. Um, and, and getting hype with everybody else. So, but think, listen, I've done that too, and nothing like this has ever happened at any other event. I right. mean, uh, we were just at Shaky Knees, you know, two weekends ago, and that's like, you know, rock and roll, and 
you know, raging and, you know, mosh, moshing and nobody got hurt there. I mean, we were watching freaking idols, you know, and idols is like real hardcore punk rock and, you know, the, you know, well, you know it's like they were throwing shit like beer and yeah. stuff. And nobody got trampled or nobody passed out. I mean, and it goes back again to like the, the young demographic that is Travis Scott's fan base too. And not, not saying that they're all irresponsible or anything, but you know, there's probably a handful of people that incited this too. And then there was apparently a security guard got like injected with some like random drug. Yeah. What? I heard about but, that too. Yeah, he was giving medical assistance to somebody, I believe, and he said while he was like trying to help out that he felt a prick on his neck. Yeah. And next thing you know, he just you know, uh, passed out, I guess, and they had to give him Narcan, which is like that overdose um, medication that's given to people when they do that. And uh, I mean, they, they revived him, but yeah, I mean, it just confirms that someone was out there also like just drugging people and mm -hmm. people didn't know maybe. That is so ugly. Oh my God. Okay. Scary, man. Well, I definitely want to send my, you know, condolences to all the families you know, who um, lost someone, you know, because you don't think that that's going to happen when you're going to yeah. a music festival. So it's, it's very sad. Um, so that's why I wanted to take the time to just, you know, go over that. And hopefully people will have better, you know, music festival, music concert etiquette. You know, when you keep that in mind after this happened, I mean, it's sad that it had to happen. But, you know, I hope that it teaches everybody some kind of a lesson. So because. Travis Scott is not invited to the carne asada. <laughs> no, we're going to have Cardi. Cardi. Yeah, we're going to get Cardi there. Yes, exactly. Oh, my God. Yeah, Travis Scott, you're not invited to Cardi. <laughs> uh, another thing that I wanted to just quickly um, go over, because I feel like it's important that we always use our platforms, and it was another thing that bothered me this past week. Um, just saying a bit about how because um, we recently we haven't done an episode in a while and uh, it was recently national coming out day mm -hmm. and you know i know for a lot of people uh you know some it's very hard it's a very hard thing to do to come out okay. um but it's an even harder thing for the youth you know for young people to come out and you know, a lot of some people may still be very uneducated and they'll be like, well, why do you need a calling, you know, coming out day? You know, why do we need to celebrate that? And it's just because for so many years, it's been a whole like, you know, hush, hush thing. Like, we don't want right. to know. And if you are, just don't bring it up. Like, I still have family members who can't fully come out and tell the family, you know, they'll just be like, oh, yeah, this is my good friend. You know, and probably because his parents, you know, don't want him to. And he's yeah. been silenced his whole life. Um, so I just wanted to say that when it comes to LGBTQ um, youth, um, you have to understand that it's something that's very hard for them. And they will try very hard not to be who they are, which can get very dangerous. And that's only because they worry so much about what, you know, the other side of society has said, you know, right. the anti repercussions and all of that. Yeah, and the uneducated people that don't know, you know, or don't want to know about it. Um, so if there's there's another thing where people are like, they won't know, you know, they don't know that, that they're gay, you know, because they're so young. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you should use this rule. If you think they're old enough to know that they're heterosexual, 
then they are most definitely old enough to know that they are not. Absolutely, for so, sure. Yeah, so then I just want to say that if you have an LGBTQ youth in your family or friend, whatever, it's important that you give them as much love and support because they really do. Sure. Care. All right. All right, so let's get into the good parts. Let's get into the fun, fun, wackiness that is our podcast. And we have some pretty good slasher films that we're going to talk yeah. about, that we're going to review or give our opinions on. Uh, um, yeah, I'm interested to hear your pick. I'm very interested yeah. to hear what so, you Yeah. <laughs> I shall well, we go... normally let the guests go first. Oh, yeah. So do you want to go and talk about yours first, or do you want to yeah, wait? Let's hear it. And, and see how we review our films or what do you want to do? Mm, you guys go ahead and do it first. Right. So I want to hear your guys' as well. Right. Okay. So That's I fine. shall go, go first. Go ahead, Nate. We're going to go back. Where's the, where'd the other person go? The other person. She's invisible. <laughs> huh? She's washing her mouth. She's got all the candy on her mouth. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to go back in time to the 1980. Best era ever. Um, it's debatable, and we're gonna go <laughs> to New York City, right. which is what this flag is. Oh, okay. It's the New York City flag. Really? <clears throat> mm-hmm. What the hell? The more you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so we're gonna go back in time to watch the 1980 erotic thriller by Brian De Palma called Dressed to Kill. Bam, bam. All, right. All right. So let's go. Uh, so here we go. We start off with a sexually frustrated housewife, Kate Miller, who was played by Angie Dickinson, is attending therapy sessions with New York City psychiatrist Dr. Robert Elliott, who was played by Michael Caine. During an appointment, Kate attends. Wait, is that the English fellow? Yeah, he's he's British. He has a South London accent. British. Okay. <laughs> yes, but he has a uh, he's an American in this one. Okay. So uh, Kate yeah. attempts to seduce him, but Elliot rejects her advances, as he states that he does not want to jeopardize his happy marriage. So Kate goes to the Metropolitan Museum of Art where she unexpectedly flirts with a mysterious stranger. That's how you get yourself killed, girl. (laughs) So Kate and the stranger stalk each other through the museum until they finally wind up outside, where Kate joins him in a taxi. They go to his apartment and have the, they do the nasty, they go at it. (laughs) That would definitely only happen in that time because that was not much in the day. Mm-hmm. So hours later, Kate awakens and decides to discreetly leave while the man, Warren Lockman, is, that's his name, Warren Lockman, uh, who is played by Ken Baker, <clears throat> is asleep. So uh, Kate sits at his desk and leaves him a note to leave him a note and finds a document indicating that Warren has contracted a sexually transmitted disease. Oh. <laughs> uh. Which is, grand, grand, <laughs> which is very reminiscent of the decade. So yeah. shocked, she leaves the, depart- the apartment, but having hastily forgotten her wedding ring on the nightstand. Oh, no. If he leaves, I would have killed that man. I would have woke that man up. Really? You would, you, would, you would be the one doing the killing? I would have woke up and been like, how come you didn't tell me you had an STD? 
okay. So she goes back to retrieve it. So the elevator doors open on the figure of a tall, blonde woman in dark sunglasses wielding a straight razor who violently slashes Kate to death in the elevator. This movie sounds crazy. Mm -hmm. So upon discovering the body, another lady named Liz Blake, who is played by Nancy Allen, who is a high-priced call girl, who notices the killer in the elevator's Covex mirror and subsequently becomes both the prime suspect and the killer's next target. <gasps> typical, typical. Yeah. So, yeah, Kate's done. He's, she's dead. She, we're not seeing her again. So the first, the main, first main character we see dies. Yeah, she, she's dead. She's gone. Oh, Benito. Mm-hmm. Now it's all about Blake. Okay. So the El- one that has the STD. No, it's about the... The, no, the sex worker. The already, so he's, he's good. <laughs> yeah, we never see we never see the STD guy again. Also, <laughs> so Elliot receives a bizarre message on his answering machine from Bobby, oh. who is played no, by who is played by William Finley, who is a transgender patient. <gasps> Why is that home? Because that, 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 I, I imagine that transgender characters were very rare back in the 80s, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for So sure. Bobby taunts the psychiatrist for ending their therapy sessions, apparently because Elliot refuses to sign the necessary papers for Bobby to get sex reassignment surgery. Mm-hmm. So Elliot yeah. tries to convince this other guy named Levy, who is uh, the patient's new doctor, and Levy is uh, played by David Margulis. Is it Levi or Levi? I pronounce it Levi. It might be Levi. <laughs> uh, that Bobby is endangering herself and others. So, police detective Marino, who is, I believe, played by... Who is he played by? Franz Denis, uh, Denise Franz. <clears throat> Doubts Liz's story, who is the, the person who saw it, and she's the, the call girl... Liz's story partly because of her profession, that she's a no good sex worker. Mm. That automatically makes her a liar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we know uh, actual sex workers, right, Ruby? Yes, we do. Yeah. Sex work is real work. Mm-hmm. Are, are, they, are they liars or no? I don't think so. <laughs> I never heard of them lie. I don't know. I mean, I don't think that <laughs> your profession really can't tell whether someone's a liar or not. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think they would lie about witnessing a murder. So, so I Liz. Know, yeah, that's what I would. I'd be like, you know what? I didn't see anything, man. I don't know what I saw. <laughs> yeah. So Liz teams up with Kate's revenge-minded teenage son Peter, who is played by Keith Gordon, who is an inventor to find the killer. So it's they team up. Okay. So some Riverdale stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so using a series of his homemade listening devices and time-lapse cameras to track patients leaving Elliot's office. They catch Bobby on camera. And soon, a tall blonde in sunglasses starts stalking Liz. (gasps) Mm -mm. Subsequently making several attempts on Liz's life. Oh no! Peter thwarts one of them in a New York subway, New York City subway, by spraying Bobby with homemade mace and (laughs) pow, punch him in the face. 
So the pair uh, scheme to learn Bobby's birth name by getting inside Dr. Elliot's office. So Liz's, Liz bails the, uh, oh, baits the therapist by stripping into lingerie and flirting with him. Ooh. Worst, yeah. Oh, Serenity's shaking her head. Why are you shaking your head for? Because I can. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you disagree of their methods? Yeah. How so? I would have just put out the Glock 49. <laughs> Some people are a bit more subtle That's than you are. <laughs> yeah. I would have just lied and I would have been like, if you gave me the information, I will give you an erotic dance. And then they give me the information. I'm like, okay, psych, bye. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think your erotic dances would be that great, Ruby. I think you're, you might be really I bad at it. it. I wouldn't have done it. I would have just lied. Okay. <laughs> so distracting him long enough to briefly exit and look through his appointment book. So Peter is watching through the window when a blonde pulls him away. Oh, no. When Liz returns... A razor-wielding blonde confronts her. Yo, hold on. How strong is this blonde? Like, <laughs> the blonde, the blonde killer, the transgender person. Oh, you. Oh, maybe you're right. It is. It let's, is, isn't it? Yeah. Let's let's keep let's find out. So the blonde. <laughs> outside, ruining my story. <laughs> so the blonde outside shoots and wounds the blonde inside. So there are two blondes. An outside blonde and an inside. Blonde. Yeah, and the outside blonde shot. <laughs> The blonde inside. Outside blonde shot the inside blonde. Knocking the wig off and revealing the razor-wielding blonde as Elliot! The transgender. The doctor. Oh, the doctor? Yeah. Oh, it's the doctor. Mm -hmm. Oh, snap. You, 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 gotta, you gotta forgive me because my memory is like, so I've, I'm, I'm going through like, an ADHD diagnosis yeah, right no now, worries. but my memory is shit. Just telling <laughs> you right now. So the blonde who shot Bobby is actually a police officer, a woman police officer, revealing herself to be the blonde who has been trailing Liz earlier. So Elliot is arrested and placed in an insane asylum. Now Levy explains later to Liz that Elliot wanted to be a woman but their male side would not allow them to proceed with the operation. Whenever a woman sexually aroused Elliot, Bobby, representing the unstable female side of the doctor's personality, became threatened to the point that he actually finally became murderous, which is what transgenderism is. Right, Ruby? So do you see why this is connected to my message earlier? It can mm -hmm. be very dangerous when you're closeted because you don't want to come out. So, yeah. Do you, do you yeah. think that's how transgenderism works, Ruby? You basically have two personalities inside you? No, I don't think that's <laughs> the case for everyone. But, I mean, I could see how it would be like that maybe for some people because they're still, like, trying to force themselves to not be, you know, who they really feel like mm -hmm. they are. So mm -hmm. when, when Levy realized this through this last conversation with Elliot, he called the police on the spot, who then, with his help, did their duty. Did their duty. So in their final sequence, in the last scene of the film, Elliot escapes from the asylum after strangling a nurse. What? And slashes, slashes Liz's throat in a bloody act of vengeance. But oh. she wakes up screaming. Peter rushes to her side, realizing that it was just a nightmare. <gasps> oh, they did that kind of an ending. Yeah, huh? and that's how it ends. Okay. They were trying to make it seem like 
there, there was going to be another part. There, there's a possibility the of a second movie. part. Yeah. So the naked body in the opening scene, because there was like a scene in the, earlier in the shower, uh, it was not of Angie Dickinson who played the character of Kate, uh, but of 1977 Penthouse Pet of the Year model Victoria Lynn Johnson. So oh, she was a double? Mm-hmm. Cool. So De Palma originally wanted Norwegian actress Liv Ullman, is it Ullman? Yeah, Ullman, to play Kate Miller, but she declined because of the violence. Wah, wah. Oh. When I get famous, I'm going to have J-Lo play my body double. Yeah, I'm sure J-Lo would do that. <laughs> so, and the role then went to Angie Dickinson. Sean Connery was actually offered the role of Elliot and was... Oh, R.I.P. Sean Connery. Yeah, and was enthusiastic about it, but declined because of previous commitments. Mm. Connery later worked with the Palma in the 1987 Oscar-winning adaptation of The Untouchables, and uh, De Palma called the elevator scene where uh, Liz- Kate got killed is the best murder scene he has ever done. So there's that. Sounds okay. like it's a movie full of plot twists, which I love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so the film actually led to controversy and protests upon its release. When the mm-hmm. film was screened, an Iowa City National Organization for Women and members of other feminist organizations picketed the film as it was shown in the University of Iowa. Distributing leaflets against the film, condemning what they saw as a depiction of violence against women as entertainment. Um, what do you think? Okay. Well, yeah, I would... That's understandable. Yeah. That is understandable. You can see where they're coming from. Yeah. How Especially so? Especially back then. How so? Well, yeah, I mean, because they don't want to be depicted as someone who just, you know, entertains, you know, because mm-hmm. they've been seen as forms of entertainment for, you know, men to use for, for since forever. Mm-hmm. Right. So during the film's initial release, the activist group Women Against Violence in Pornography and Media distributed a leaflet arguing that the distorted image of psychotic male transvestite, which is misspelled in the leaflet, uh, makes all sexual mm-hmm. minorities appear sick and dangerous. Mm. Yeah. That's a common thing for sure. All right. Well, that's, yeah, and that's definitely, yeah, understandable, yeah. So mm-hmm. what do you think? Do you agree with that notion? From, uh... I do, I do, even though I don't think they, that that was the intended message of the film, I feel like the intended message of the film was what I said, you know, before, that it's, it's very hard for anyone really in the LGBTQ community because they have to deal with everything that's in their head, you know? Yeah. Sometimes they only have to deal with it alone. Like, they don't have the support and the love that they need. Mm-hmm. So, because yeah, the ones that you mentioned, like, with, like, split personalities, I guess, like, I feel like those, I can see that happening, too, just because of depression mood swings whatever it is like that the stress of it all right like i think right. that can lead to it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it can be very dangerous for the individual like mentally mm-hmm. and that's another thing that no one really had talked about back then is you know how important mental health is i mean they're barely starting to talk about it now so i feel like if they would have taken care of mental health a lot more back then then we'd be in a much better society now. But that's not the way that it works. 
So numerous critics have since placed Dress to Kill in a lineage of slasher movies that perpetuate the transphobic myth that trans people are mentally ill, sexual predators. Mm. So yeah, I wondered what mm -hmm. that movie was about because I, I was scrolling earlier and I was looking at all the like movies that are on Peacock right now. Mm -hmm. That happens to be one of them, but I didn't get to see a trailer or anything. I just saw the cover. <laughs> yeah, I never saw Dress to Kill, but it yeah, sounds really good. So where can we watch it, Nate? Um, you can watch it. I believe you can watch it on Peacock. Let me double check. Mm -hmm. uh, is Peacock free? It is. It is free. Yes, it is. So yeah. Oh, actually, no. It's not on Peacock. It's actually on Cinemax. Mm. Oh, okay. You can watch it on Cinemax. Uh, right. Yeah. So Dress to Kill was also featured in a 2020 documentary called Disclosure, which is about transgender uh, representation in media. Um, so in the 2020 reappraisal of the film for The Guardian, the critic Scott Tobias tra referred to De Palma's understanding of trans issues as disconcertingly retrograde. There's no getting around, this is his quote, there's no getting around the ugly association of gender transition with violence other than to say that it feels thoroughly uh, authenticized. So what do we think? Do we agree with Tobias? I don't. I don't think so. But you don't I mean, think so? Well, he's say, he's saying that the film makes it seem like that, right? Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree how they could see it that it would look like that. Mm -hmm. So let's see what De Palma himself has to say about okay. this whole thing. So in a 2016 interview, De Palma actually said. I don't know what the transgender community would think of the film now. Obviously, I realize that it's not good for their image to be transgender and also be a psychopathic murderer. But I think that perception passes with time. We're in a different time. He added that he was glad that the film had become a favorite of the gay community, uh, which he attributed to its flamboyance. Hmm. Well, that was my initial thought, like, just like Steve said, like that, I was, you know, happy that they even had somebody, mm -hmm. you know, from yeah. the LGBT community in there, because that was not a thing that they normally did. Even if yeah, it was a very little representation, you know? Yeah, and if, and if it did, just kind of to the point of this movie, it, it did show them, like, in a crazy or sick manner, like, you know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. um, definitely back then, they were represented in a, a very odd way. Mm -hmm. So uh, I believe there are two different versions of the film you guys can watch right now. Uh, an R-rated version and an unrated version. Oh man, you gotta watch the rated one, the R-rated mm -hmm. one. No, you have to watch the unrated one. That's yeah. the best version. The unrated one? Mm -hmm. yes. yes, the unrated one is the most, most explicit out of the two. Oh, okay. That's you, I was you can't. It, it, it's such a. They got probably such bad images in there or something that they can't even rate it. Yeah, I so, can have... yeah, so when, a, when a film is unrated, then that means that they it was so bad that they couldn't rate well, it. Well, what happens I mean, normally like, like R rated was like the worst. No, it's normally like they'll add like something else. Like you know, with with R rated, there would be like foul language or maybe like uh, I don't know nudity, and then unrated would be like that and then gory scenes and then some other stuff probably on there am i right in saying anything? yeah so like the, how the rating system works in america with the mpa is that uh every studio does need to like present it to the mpa to get its rating which is like their g pg 
PG-13, R, whatever. But there is one rating that is above R, which is considered to be worse than R, called the X rating. Yeah, X rating. Yeah. That's, oh. That's porn, bro. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ever since, the, like, it used to be of, like, a very not good, like, an acceptable rating, because Midnight Cowboy was X rated, and that was, like, an Oscar winning film. But then the oh, porn okay. industry came in, they kind of repurposed it, and now everyone associates the X rating with porn. So they rebranded it, and it's now called NC 17. Uh, okay. But now. If anybody gets the studios, whatever, if the studios would ever get the X rating or the NC-17 rating, they would view that as unmarketable and no other. And also, like, theaters have, like, issues against presenting NC-17 films. So they were like, okay, we have to edit it down so it can be an R rating. Mm. So now the, then there's, like, so the unedited version, the unrated version is the NC-17 version uh because they just didn't they just have it as an, in its original form and they didn't even get it rated by the mpa so it's unrated okay so Wouldn't i will be wild bro like you go to the movie theaters hey bro did you see a new rated nc-17 porno that just came out like <laughs> i'm going this weekend to see it did y'all stream it on hbo like that'd be crazy mm -hmm. uh yeah blue is the warmest color is nc-17 Oh, I've heard of that movie. Yeah. I've never seen it. That movie's weird as hell. Yeah, it's like a French <laughs> film. What's it called again? Blue is the warmest color. Blue it has a very, very pornographic sex scene yeah. in it. And so, yeah, so I will tell you actually what the unrated version contains. Uh, okay. It's actually just 30 seconds longer than the R rated version. Uh, but it shows more pubic hair in the shower scene. <laughs> and also more blood in the elevator scene, including a close-up of the killer slitting Kate's throat. Uh, and more explicit dialogue from Liz during the scene where she's trying to go like fool Elliot in his office. Uh, and these scenes were trimmed down with the MPAA originally gave the film the X rating. Uh, but so yeah. That's basically the story of Dress to Kill. You guys, you could watch it on Cinemax. Well, we did say that these were slasher films, right? Yes. So, gore and uh, slashing and blood is what you expect. Mm -hmm. Unless you're watching the 80s version of Halloween, because for some reason they said that there was going to be no blood in there. And it Boy. was just weird. It was Boy. weird. <laughs> was there really no blood in it? Yeah, it was. There was no blood in it. No gore or anything. In the original Halloween. In the original Halloween. Really? Because that was 1978, not the 80s. Oh well, sorry. Not. It may not be 80s, <laughs> but yeah, it was the first Halloween that they ever made, and you would think that there was blood in there, but there wasn't. Mm -hmm. No blood. Speaking of that, let's come to the future real quick. Have you guys seen the new Halloween? Yeah, yeah. it was some mid. It was mid. It was some it was mid. mid. <laughs> what What does that mean? It was so dumb. Like, Lady oh. movies like weed now. It's mid, bro. Yeah. No, it's no, it's because they they like they really kept it like true to the slasher films from like back then, mm. where the scenarios and the killings and all of that are like so predictable. And you know, like when you see something now, like you expect it to be like placed in like updated now kind of like situations like new format yeah right and so they didn't do that so, but i guess they wanted to keep it that way well here's the one thing that i've always said about like i guess horror movies and slashers in general like 
I feel like there's only so much that they can do. You know what I mean? Like, it, I feel like everything is just, like, it's, you can tell what's going to happen. Like, you see this girl running around the corner, and, you know, Michael Myers is behind her at one point. It's like, yeah, dude, this dude's about to pop up, like, right in front of her. Like, you already right. know. Yeah. He just teleports. You know what I mean? Like, it's fast as hell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we were making fun of that. We were making fun of that the other night when we watched it, because it's like, <laughs> he's, like, going out, right, to where the stairs are. And then all of a sudden he's downstairs, so I'm like, yeah, the, the behind the scenes must be like him, like running really fast. <laughs> have you seen Have you seen the meme video of where it's Michael Myers and he's like, people ask like how he's like Mike, how you be like catching up to these white girls when you know they're running way down here, you're way back here, you're slow as hell. He's like, because nobody works harder than me, nobody. <laughs> so you got the five grades, Michael Jordan, Michael whatever. Oh my god. <laughs> and then Mike Myers. <laughs> I get that. So yeah, um, yeah. Who wants to go next? Okay, Serenity, do you want to go next, or Steve, do you want to go next? I I can I can go. I I'm not gonna be as descriptive as that. I I feel like well, we really don't have time to be honest. Yeah, Yeah, like I I think I'm gonna give you a quick like high overview of this movie. Okay, yeah. Go for it. This is a film called Prom Night. It's uh, 1980, and it's sort of like. I would say it's a slow buildup, right? So it has, it's about these, I think it's like four or five kids. I forget how many in the beginning, but it opens up with this scene of like uh, these kids in a mental hospital or something playing like hide and go seek. And one of the kids ends up getting murdered by accident um, because they're kind of like bullying her in a way, I guess, or being mean. Long story short, they're like, teens now it's prom night they're you know high school whatever and the morning of this day they're getting they're all getting calls from this random person like hey like and they're just saying some weird shit on the phone these were the like, same kids that were in the mental asylum the, 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 yeah and, and, oh, and yep. it, was, it wasn't like they were in it they were just like playing hide and seek like they're not like crazy. Oh, okay. yeah they, oh it was a it was, was like, how'd they get out it was an abandoned it was an abandoned convent it was a convent abandoned like mental Uh, hospital looking thing so um you know then one by one like during prom day like a couple of them are getting killed off and then at the end oh like some kind of i know what you did last summer kind of thing and and then at the end of it it turns out that it's actually one of the kids that was there and and had been hiding the secret internally along with the other four kids this whole time you know so it like got to this kid he felt guilty or something and he started just killing the homies that were keeping this secret um but yeah it was it was a crazy like first 30 minutes i was just like what is this like this makes no sense and then all of a sudden it was like oh okay this is getting good like but it, it's a good one you guys should check it out it's the first time i watched it today i think i've heard of it yeah i've heard of it too but there's like a newer version. there's there's a problem there's so many- so many like uh, movies now called Prom Night. Well, so there's so there's Prom Night and then there's Prom Night Two, which is I think in in the eighties as well. I haven't seen that one yet. And then I think there's probably like spinoffs of it. Yeah, there's a uh, Prom Night and there's Harry, Hello Mary Lou, uh, which is Prom Night Two, and then there's uh, Prom Night Three, The Last Kiss. Uh, and then there's first one Jamie Lee Curtis I saw was in it yeah Jamie Lee Curtis is in it Um, I'm trying to think of who else is big in it she must have been young 
Oh yeah. One of the characters, like the main. I was saying that she looked kind of like Halsey in that movie, like the face facial structure that she had. Like Halsey. Yeah, like I don't know if it was just me or not, but like I was sitting there watching people <laughs> fighting. I was like, babe, I was like, does she look like Halsey to you, like in a way? <laughs> she was like, what? Like she gave me this look. She was like, no. Yeah, she was in Halloween. She was in the original Halloween. Yes, yeah. yes. Which was two years before this film came out. Yeah. Okay, so she did Halloween first and then she did this. Yes. Okay, so she was mm. still young. Yeah, she was young. Okay. And where can people watch it now? Uh, so that you can watch on Peacock. And, uh, I mean, just to note, to add to that, I mean, she's in Halloween Kills as well. Oh, oh yeah, she's yeah. in the new ones. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, but that one you can see on Peacock. It's it's really good, so I, I, I recommend it. All right. All right, who wants to go next? Serenity. Yeah, I, I'll go next. Chile. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I chose Friday the 13th, the first one, the very first one, you know, the, the 81. Yep. So, um, you know, you guys pretty sure you guys are familiar with Friday the 13th. I haven't met someone who isn't. Um, but, you know, it's about a kid who goes to camp or whatever and he ends up getting oh, bullied. He went to camp or whatever. What? He came went to camp or whatever. Oh, he goes to Camp Crystal Lake. I'm sorry. Camp okay. Crystal Lake or whatever? <laughs> no, do they show that at the beginning of the movie where he's being bullied and, and, uh, and he, he drowns? I, I don't remember if they show it in that. I think they not. show. I think it starts the off one? with the camp counselors getting to Crystal Lake because there's another, you know, summer. Hold on, guys. I'm sorry. Let me get my life together. And then <laughs> this man, like this creepy man, starts telling them about the legend of Chris Camp Crystal Lake, and he yeah. starts telling them how this deformed child drowned in a mm. lake due to the. Camp counselors yeah. getting okay. busy. So yeah, it is. It's his mom. It's his mom, and yep. she actually ends up going like hunting teenagers. Like, um, she goes, she goes, stalks and stalks them and murders them before the reopening of the new lake. Oh wow! And she does that because of what happened to her son. Yeah. So, so you don't really see the Jason mm. that everybody is familiar with. You know how. Everybody knows Jason to be the man, the hockey-wearing yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. So you don't see him at all in the first movie, mm -hmm. only as a deformed child, and it's at the very end yeah. that they do actually show him. But all these killings that are happening throughout this, this movie, um, the they mom. don't get the mom, but they don't reveal that until the end. So it's yeah. like oh, the biggest oh, thing, you know. So mm -hmm. what do you think this film tells about teen sexuality? Particularly in oh Reagan God, era America. I it's so funny because I literally referred to Jason as the serial killer who killed you for having sex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't Jason. It was Pamela. And well, but it was. But after yeah, a while, he does the same thing. Yeah, it's because like yeah, yeah because teens having sex was what killed him. So it makes mm -hmm. sense. Um, yeah, and, and I didn't see that until, um, what was it, the Freddy versus Jason movie where Freddy's, like, fucking with him and, like, yeah. trying to traumatize him. Bro, that movie was just so comical to me. It, that, that movie was all over the place, man. It was crazy. 
I was not. It was not scary to me. Like I, I was, don't even. I was see waiting on Predator to show up. Like you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh shit! I was like, this is too crazy. Yeah. Right, and it's crazy because like everybody associates Jason with being a man and being this, you know, man in a hockey mask, but that's not how it happens. And it's funny because like, so he's already been dead for a while when this is happening with the killing with his mom, you know, she's taking revenge out or whatever. Yeah. This is actually the first time that a woman was portrayed as, you know, the, the serial the killer. serial killer. Yeah, and they made, oh. they half-assed this movie so badly. Yeah, they had, it was like, super a really low budget. Super low budget. Mm-hmm. So how, how, does, how does Jason come to be then, like, after this film? Because I, I don't remember this at all. They don't. They don't even like give a transition period. Like in the next few movies, they just show him as a grown man, and then one of the movies he ends up like just picking up, you know, a mask to cover his deformed face, which happens to be a hockey mask. So it's just right, like, but is 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 he like a, a I guess like a, a resurrected like dude? Yeah, at this yeah. Point? yeah. yeah because at the end of this movie, the first Friday the Thirteenth, that's how they end it. They ended where one of the camp counselors escapes by canoeing out into the middle of the river where the mom can't reach her I guess and she thinks she's safe so she's like kind of like you know she puts her head down to rest from all the stress and the trauma that just happened and then they show Jason coming out of the water but like he's still a kid he's still the kid that drowned and he's full of like you know stuff from the lake like green all over and his deformed face and he's like you know whatever and he grabs her he grabs her around the, her neck and like kind of pulls her down. Holy crap! Yeah. And so then in the next movies, like it's so funny because this movie that was so half-assed and uh, like with the low budget and everything, like so many people loved it that much to where they kept making Friday the Thirteenth after Friday the Thirteenth. I mean, and, how many movies of that is are there now? There's, oh there's my god, there's a lot. And it's so crazy because apparently the main character, the the girl or whatever, the mom, the mom, um, she didn't even want to do the movie. Like to begin with, she really? literally, she literally only did the movie because she needed money to fix her car. Yeah, like, she didn't want to do oh, it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then Kevin Bacon is in it. Well, because I've seen uh, what is it? Is it Jason X? Where it's like it takes place in Spain, in Spain, sorry, space. Oh, yeah. Space is the new Spain, just that way. <laughs> yeah, Jason X. So there's like one, two, three, four. There's 12. Five, there's six. 12 of them. Oh, okay, there's Damn, 12. Boy. There's 12. There's so many. So, yeah. So, and then I didn't even know that Kevin Bacon. And it was so funny because Kevin Bacon and the girl, the other actress, the other camp counselor, that they were supposed to do a sex scene together. And the girl had never done oh, a sex scene. And then and Kevin Bacon like, was like, let's smoke some weed. <laughs> yeah, he took let's her smoke and he a was doobie, like, he put, out, he put out a joint and he was like, if you hit this, mm-hmm. you won't feel all right. And yeah, like, girl, you got to do some drugs, man. What a, what a name. What a um, name. Weed is not a drug, it's a plant. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so is tobacco. Tobacco <laughs> is fine until they started putting all the pesticides yeah. and nicotine in it, sir. Thank you. Uh, oh, yeah, okay, you got it. <laughs> and yeah, I think alcohol comes from grain, also. Oh, but alcohol has a bunch of other stuff that they put in there. Alcohol, alcohol has poison. poison. Like, poison. It is poison. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so what else we got? Okay, okay, okay. okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh 
Grant. Yeah. So it was crazy. That movie was just crazy because they they literally said that they made it because they saw how well Halloween did. Mm. And like, Let's just make another Halloween. They're trying to capitalize on that slasher market. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. This was the slasher era. So. And did they succeed at it? Yes, they did. When, I would say did, so. Yeah. When did, when did um the Freddy Krueger movies, oh, Nightmare on Elm Street, when did those start coming out? After that, too. After, after Jason? Yeah, it came out in 1984. Yeah. Oh, man. So it was four so, years yeah, after. And then this movie, actually, as well, Friday the 13th, got a lot of backlash, too. There was, like, people writing reviews um, in newspapers and stuff like that saying that they didn't like that they were, like, mixing sex and violence together. Like, mm. they did not like that they were doing that. But, these are the devil's movies. Yeah, all these movies are going to get backlash. We already know that. Mm -hmm. all right. So, I'm going to talk about mine before we have no time to talk at all. Ten minutes. Go fast. I know, no, I'm not, I'm not going to go into it deeply. Okay, 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 a lot of people already know this movie to begin with as well. Um, but I picked Children of the Corn. Hey, haven't yeah, seen that either. <laughs> <laughs> 1984. Uh, this is a horror thriller directed by Fritz Kurtz. Kirch? I don't know how to say his last name. It's Kirch. Kirch, sorry. Kirchay. <laughs> it was directed by Fritz Kirch. And it was, of course, adapted by a Stephen King novel. We know Stephen King and his yep. amazing his crazy novels that he writes. Mm -hmm. um, so his novel, Children of the Corn. But it was screenplayed by George Goldsmith. And this is because Hal Roach Studios, which was the first studios who picked it up, they did not want to use Stephen King's screenplay. They said that the first 35 pages that the screenplay um, script that Stephen King wrote was just <laughs> yeah. the two characters, the two main characters, Bert and Vicky, arguing in a car. Yeah. <laughs> and so there was kind of like an argument going on, like Stephen King was telling um, the guy who they did get, you know, Goldsmith, the one that they took his screenplay for it. Mm -hmm. he, they were both arguing, and he was saying, well, you don't know what true horror is. And Goldsmith was trying to be as nice as possible to Stephen King. He was like, look, you don't understand that in movies, you only have a certain amount of time, and everything is visual, instead of, you know, letting the reader, you know, visual, you know, visualize everything internally. Right. You know, they have to see it visually externally. So that's why they decided to go with Goldsmith's screenplay, which did this, um, like, the point of view through these two children's eyes, because this is another thing that was crazy about this movie is that the main antagonists of the movie are children, kids. Okay, yeah. Like, <gasps> you would never think that, you know, you'd have to watch your back <laughs> getting killed by a kid. Um, but also, whenever Hal Roach Studios um, sold the project to New World Pictures, they were the ones that actually, the studio, yeah, that... Um, you know, had the movie out. Um, they did try to remove Goldsmith's name in the credits in favor of King's, but mm -hmm. they didn't end up, they weren't successful at doing that. So, this film, like I said, um, Children of the Corn, uh, stars Linda Hamilton, and we all know her as Sarah Connor in the Terminator films. Mm -hmm. So, when I saw her in this, I was like, oh crap, I didn't remember that she was in this, you know, she's young. Um, so it's uh, Linda Hamilton and Peter Horton, they're the main protagonists of the story. And um, they're basically like 
in Nebraska and they're going on this trip because he's going to his first practice as a doctor or whatever and they made a whole like road trip out of it because they had to travel from afar and mm -hmm. this film is set in Nebraska then they start passing like um this town that's full of corn stalks and now this is a film that made me forever scared of going into corn stalks or anywhere near corn stalks um and basically like they end up hitting a child that came out like bleeding from his neck um in the middle of the road and they hit the child points. oh my god yeah when i saw that oh my god. but the doctor him being a doctor he was like he was already dead Mm. before he came out on the road you know his, his throat was slashed yeah. and so they end up having to stay in this area because they're trying to figure out what happened with this kid um they get misdirected and they end up just like you know going for full circle in the porn stocks and they end up uncovering that there's no adults there's nobody over 18 whatsoever the town is completely like empty all the kids mm are like meeting in this cornfield and all the kids are taking direction from this other weirdly religious, very religious child named Isaac. Mm -hmm. And so this, this, yeah, this film also like has a like religion playing a big role, which I like a lot because it sends that message that a lot of people can, you know, simply be brainwashed. Well, actually, I believe that they are actually based off of the Ayatollah in Iran. What is that? The Ayatollah. It's a it's a extremist terrorism group. Oh, what they were actually doing? Yeah, there is. It was based off of the Ayatollah. In yeah, Iran. because the whole reason why they killed the adults in mm -hmm. town, which they only mentioned once. I re really, I only think that they mentioned it in the summary. Yeah is they're saying that they need to kill all the adults in the town and there can't be anyone over 18 for there to be a good corn harvest mm -hmm. which i think is funny because they never mentioned that again throughout the film and there's literally like all these machines that water the corn and stuff like that they're not in use they're not being used so it's like okay so y'all are just killing people to kill people because y'all really aren't doing anything with the corn to ensure right. that so the corn ruby. harvest so Ruby, uh, what do you think about the film being actually a metaphor for the Iranian revolution? I didn't think that, I mean, like, I didn't think that they were sacrificing people with quote, like religious, you know, situations, you know, because this is like them saying that they're, that they have a, an entity that they um, follow or like worship called he who uh, walks behind the rose. But it ends up being a demon, and they show it at the end. It ends up being like this monster. So were they really? a monster in Iran that I don't know about? No, it yeah. is. It is supposed <laughs> to be like Goldsmith did say that Children of the Corn is supposed to be a metaphor for the Iranian Revolution. Yeah, uh, because they're trying to make it seem like they're doing something good, but mm -hmm. in reality, they don't know that what these kids are really doing um, is worshiping a demon. Mm -hmm. Oh, and they end up showing that at the end and so you know they should have thought about it also the kids start turning on each other because of course they're immature and you know they all want to be you know okay. ahead of everything i mean uh, the leader and everything so i'm gonna just say that this gained a very big cult following um rolling stones ranked the film at number seven in their list of top 30 stephen king movies calling it a lean brutally tense slasher film 
There was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight more Children of the Corns made. It's a lot. Um, yeah. You can stream it on Tubi, Hulu, Sling TV, Amazon Prime, YouTube, Google Play Movies. But you have to pay for some of those. And Apple TV. It's for all you have to pay for some of those. If you want to for free, go on Tubi. Tubi's yes. free. Or Hulu. Free. Well, that was all of our films. Yes. Um, I just want to give some announcements real quick. You can follow um, Steve on IG at the Steve Garcia. You can follow us at Wacky Talkies on uh, IG and Facebook. That's Wacky underscore Talkies on IG. Um, also, Nate, his short documentary. I want to congratulate him. This project is retired. That's the name of the short doc. Yep. Currently has six festival wins and one mm. honorable mention. Yeah, good job. And uh, our next short documentary that we both worked on that has to do with John Tron and Eagle Raptors Gang Grumps drama yeah. will also be doing the festival run soon. Yeah. Like we got that carne asada stuff too. Um, so very proud of you, Nate. Thank you. You'll probably see his work uh, coming up at South by Southwest as well. He's gonna try hopefully. To there. hopefully. That's wishful thinking, but hopefully. Well, we gotta hey. manifest. Yeah, Nate. Manifest. Get into existence, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'll try. But thank you so much for joining us, Steve. Like we had a great time with you. Thank you guys for having hopefully. me. No, it was yeah, fun. You did too. No, okay. yeah, this was this was fun. This is a new experience for me, so this is great. Thank you so much. Good luck to you in your future and your career as a musician. We um, can't wait to see what you know the future has in store for you. Sure, we'll be seeing you soon. Yeah, we will be seeing you soon. <laughs> All right, guys. I've right. been Ruby. I've been Nathaniel. I'm Serenity. Yeah. And we'll... thank you guys for joining us and joining us again for another wacky talkies. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to A Vision Podcast, home of Wacky Talkies, The Kingdom, Evil Exists, and many more.